Welcome to Investing Across Borders with Lauren Cohen. Every week, she will share valuable information that you need to know in order to successfully invest in real estate and other business endeavors in North America. We believe in helping clients invest, live, work, and play across borders. And now, your host, Lauren Cohen. Good morning, everybody from sunny South Florida. I am here today with my good friend, Doug Sandler, who I was supposed to actually meet in person in February in Cabo San Lucas, but unfortunately, that trip got postponed. Why? Because the Canadian borders closed and the Canadian airports closed. And so suddenly, the host of the trip was unable to make it happen. But Doug is actually an amazing, amazing podcast developer, podcast designer, podcast creator, and my, and a podcastologist, and he's my podcasting coach. Imagine that. So I'm Lauren Cohen, and I'm here with Investing Across Borders, where we teach you how to invest, live, work, and play across borders. I am an international lawyer and real estate expert, and I just got coined as the proactive strategist speaker. Right. So this is my new name when I speak, the proactive strategist. I like it. I am like definitely proactive. So, Doug, why don't you say hello and introduce yourself with your fancy schmancy microphone there and oh all my that gosh. fun stuff? Hey, Lauren. Well, you know, if you if you're going to be a pro, you got to look like one or at least sound like a pro, right? So, uh, yeah. So, I'm Doug, and I've I've been in the podcasting space for for many years. Obviously, you and I know each other, Lauren. I'm I'm speaking to our uh, our community and your community. And what's so beautiful about podcasting is it absolutely can extend beyond international borders. And I love that. I love being worldwide. 175 countries, our Nice Guys on Business podcast is heard. And uh, this has been a fun run. And I, and I love the podcasting space. I'm ready to dig in and, and, and start talking about podcasting with your, with your community. Well, that's wonderful because although we talk about investing, the reality is that when you're investing across borders, having a podcast is a part of that. And I've been featured on hundreds of podcasts because everybody's really intrigued. Oh, you can actually invest outside of your home country. How does that happen? And part of that, getting your message out and bringing in, uh, you know, attracting people to make investments and attracting people to participate in your opportunities can happen through podcasting. Doug, what got you into podcasting in the first place? Wow. Back in 2015, I wrote a book called Nice Guys Finish First, and um, I didn't have the deep pockets to invest in a uh, a publicist or a PR company to get out there and really promote it. My publisher uh, was looking for my help with connection to my um, to my community, uh, which at the time was small but growing. And so um, I thought podcasting would be a really cool way to do it, but I knew nothing about the podcasting space. So a buddy of mine, Strickland Bonner, who uh, I had a relationship with for about 20 years, and I, we just decided that we'd start this similar brand, uh, the Nice Guys on Business podcast. And that was, geez, 1,200 episodes ago, over six years ago. And uh, we're, we're loving being in podcasting. So I, I, I really did it as a promotional tool for a book that I had just released. Cool. Well, I absolutely love that. And it's amazing because, you, you know, the stories of how people come to do what they do are never what you really expect. I mean, you know, it's kind of like by force, kind of like becoming an entrepreneur. It's like I didn't have the money for a publicist, so I decided to create some yeah. another way to get to my community. So when you first started your podcast, obviously you were developing it for your community and to extend your reach. In how many countries are you currently featured? 
175? Yeah, the the nice guys on business is heard in 175 countries. And what's really interesting about it, Lauren, is that when I first started podcasting, it was to promote my book. And in, in the experience that we had over the first 200 episodes, which was the first couple of years of podcasting, we really did not make any money podcasting. I made a couple of bucks every once in a while on my book. I would get How hired. How long did you say? A couple of years. It wow. was literally 17 months before we figured out that the people strategy. get into podcasting for one of three reasons. Yeah, the strategy. They get into it to build community, to grow influence, or to make money. And we kind of lumped everybody into the same bucket. And it was challenging because we really had no strategy. It's kind of like, hey, I'm about to start a yogurt stand, but I have no idea how to make yogurt or how to get my customers <laughs> or do any of those things. And when you do that and you treat podcasting like a hobby, it's going to deliver exactly the results that we had, which was hobby results. And That's until true. we really focused on our strategy of monetization, we we were, I wouldn't say we were unsuccessful, but we certainly weren't successful in the monetization side of the business. So it did take us about it, uh, over 17 months, 18 months, that 18 month, that 18th month, when we figured out the formula, what we really needed in these three buckets, community influence and money, when we started to focus on the money bucket, the faucet turned on to the, the, to the tune of 35 grand that first month that we tried it. And then we said, this is it. It was like Shangri-La. The, the skies opened, the sun shined down on us and was like, oh, and every month since then, it's been just as good or better. So what do you think, like you said, you had the influence, the community and the monetization bucket. Now, you obviously built your influence and community, which then allowed you to open the monetization bucket up, right? Because if you didn't have the influence and community, you wouldn't have been able to monetize. It's kind well, of like all three. Well, they're all byproducts of each other, which is right. interesting. So you're right there. But the but let me just just kind of help you just think about it a little bit differently. Okay. When we started to listen to the messages of the people and understand the type of people that were sitting in that guest seat, we realized that we were missing an opportunity. So we did not need a big audience and we did not need any influence or status, but we needed to understand that that person sitting in the guest seat was a potential opportunity for joint venture partnerships, affiliate relationships, turning those guests into clients. So now we're listening to potential people sitting in that guest seat with two ears. One, how can their message best serve my community? But secondly, how can the words that they are saying help me understand whether they would be a potential client or a potential partner of mine? Once I did that, the next 200 interviews that I did, I was not focused on getting those VIP people in the, because everybody right. is a podcaster like, oh, I'm going to get the biggest name that I possibly can to help me get my, my, my community large. The challenge with that is that they're not going to help you promote. They're good for right. your ego, but they are not good for your bank account. And when I realized that, and we started to focus on that person sitting in the guest seat, it really didn't even matter how many people were in our audience at that point. I mean, we have thousands of listeners, but at the time when we had dozens of listeners, we were still making bank hundreds of thousands of dollars a year because we understood the value of the guest seat, not necessarily the value of our community. Our community is great and I love our community, but those aren't the people that we're selling to. And those aren't the people that we're developing relationships with. They're anonymous and unknown to us. So your community, let's go to that for a minute. So what is considered your community versus your sphere of influence now? Is your community like we know each other through multiple different communities? Okay. Right. right. 
are those communities your community, the joint venture communities where you partner with others, or is that your influence community because they're going to take your message and share it? How does that, what's the differentiation? So, so there's a lot of overlap between communities, especially as you're, as you're talking about them right now. Our joint venture community is absolutely a community that we would love to listen because they are the ones that are highly interested in the products and services that we have potentially for their clients. Right. They're people that instead of being anonymous and unknown, someone like you, I might have in my guest seat so that I can say to you, hey, Lauren, this is really cool. You you kind of, um, you approach the same community that I do. You have the same market that I have to a degree. Why mm-hmm. don't we do a joint venture partnership and, and I will promote your services, you will promote mine. And let's figure out how we can do some work together. I might have that person, the person like you, sitting in that guest seat so that we can share that opportunity and we can build a relationship for 20 or 30 minutes while I'm doing my podcast episode as well. And that has been a key key factor in the, I mean, I've probably done 900 interviews over the last 1200 episodes, a hundred or so have become people that I've developed relationships with. Imagine getting just one lead from a hundred people every month, or even just once in a lifetime, a hundred, a hundred leads a year, a hundred leads a year potentially could, could be very, very lucrative for someone, depending on what your services that you provide are. A hundred leads a year for me is a very big ticket. Now, you know, I mean, obviously my, well, not obviously, but my services are higher touch, higher level. However, one of the things that I think has become so obvious, more obvious to me post pandemic, or if we're still in the pandemic or whatever, after I have my second shot, I feel like I'm through it, but I'm not (laughs) because I can't go home to Toronto to see my family for Passover. Not that I'm complaining, just a little, but the the one thing, you know, we met kind of right at the beginning of the pandemic when I was promoting, when I was helping people get money through the SBA and you're like, oh, there's a way to do that. And I was happy to do whatever I could to help you. Um, But we met at a time when I, I was in the joint venture world, certainly working with joint venture influencers, helping them get visas, helping them with all that. But I wasn't really drinking the Kool-Aid of the advantages of joint ventures. And as a lawyer, I couldn't really understand. Now, there are other lawyers in our space, not a lot, because lawyers don't naturally collaborate. I naturally collaborate, right? Yeah, I don't compete. Yeah. So I thought to myself, there's something missing. And let me tell you that the thing that's come out of this whole pandemic for me Business-wise, other than creating this model that is super cool, immigrate through real estate, which everybody's, I, I literally had three calls this morning. Oh, how do you do that? So it's exciting and fun. But the other thing is this, these relationships, these joint venture and affiliate relationships have become so, so, so critical. Like, you know, I help you promote, you help me promote, everybody wins, everybody gets clients, everybody provides impact and offers services, and we all help each other. And and we have a responsibility to each other to deliver. 100%. And I think that that's the distinction because you came into the joint venture space and offered a lot of, a lot of, I wouldn't say freebies, but a lot of perks, a lot of opportunities. Well, if you, if you think about, you know, our good friend, Jay Fazette, our, our common friend that we have, you know, the, the whole joint venture philosophy is a philosophy of I'll go first. And when you approach a relationship with, I'm not concerned about what you can give me. Let me share with you the value that I might be able to have or right. share with your community mm-hmm. or to share with you. You know, we offered mm-hmm. our podcast launch program to everybody that was in the program, yeah. in, in the JV program, and we did it free because yeah. we knew that a certain amount of those people, even if you give them something free, they're going to say, Hey, I appreciate the free. Is there, 
I'd, I'd rather pay for something that, right, exactly. I'd rather pay for editing. I'd rather pay for the launch. I don't want to do the work myself. No. A small percentage <laughs> of people would do that. And an automated program is a dime a dozen. I mean, right. it's easy for me to give something free because it doesn't take any labor for me to do that. I've created the program once and can share it multiple times without any additional effort. It's when people raise their hand and say, I want a little bit more. I mean, we didn't go at it necessarily with the whole idea of, well, we're looking to try to get business. We look, I mean, we did, but we didn't, we weren't, we weren't like, I don't think that we looked at it and said, let's be salesy about it. We did it from a genuine perspective of, hey, if we help enough people get what they want, I mean, Zig Ziglar, help enough people get right. what they want, you'll right. get what you want. Exactly. And that's, that's the way that I feel about it. And that's right. kind of how I've, you know, when I wrote my book, Nice Guys Finish First, I mean, that's the whole philosophy behind Nice Guys Finish First, build a relationship and the business will come. Yeah. And I think that that's really important to, to note because when, when Doug and Strick offered this program in the, in the, in the JVology Global Lounge, which is Jay Facet's higher level coaching program, I took advantage like so many of my colleagues and I came to one class and I came to a second class and I'm a super busy entrepreneur running multiple businesses, a single mom. And I was like, by class number three, I was done. Right. I was like, okay, I'm not doing this. Doug, help. What can you right. do? And so I'm one of those people. And the truth is that there's a lot of us. And, and that's, not, that's not necessarily why you do it. But it's kind of like when I'm giving away, I do you know all, all kinds of free webinars and masterclasses and this and that. And when you give something from your heart because you want to help, people know and it resonates. And then they, they come back and they know they can trust you. Like, I know you're never going to take advantage of, of me right. coming to you saying, Doug, I can't do this. You'll be like, I know, Lauren. So how can we fix it? Well, so, right. And it's, it's a, it's a common, you know, you try to find the common solution, the solution that works to the benefit of your customer and the solution that works for your company. And if you can find mutual ground on that, everybody's happy. You know, right. when people sell, when people sell, don't look at it as a, as a potential of what can I win over my customer? I'd rather have a mutually beneficial experience where we're providing a service that's a value that you need or you want, and we can provide it. And, and when you exchange money for that, I think that there is a certain amount of energy that money provides. And when you're able to have the energetic exchange of money in exchange, it went, especially when you're in business and this is what you're doing, it makes sense. You know, we as people, the things that are our gifts, whether it's your gift of understanding law or understanding podcasting or understanding how to, you know, bag a grocery bag. If that is your gift to the world, you feel so inclined to want to give it because it's your gift. And all, all I say is just know that you don't have to give away everything that you do. How many pick your brain sessions do you get for, hey, can I just ask you some questions about how international law works? I mean, and oh. then you find yourself four hours later going down oh. this rabbit hole, charge for those services and you will and you will be, it's, you're doing a disservice when you give away the gift that is 100%. Yours. So it's funny that you say that because about a month ago, I had this epiphany and I said, I am no longer doing free consults. Okay. So, but somehow people find a back way into my calendar for that, you know, that strategy call that I might have with a Doug Sandler right, or a Strickland right. Bonner as a partnership call, or I might have with a fellow EXP realtor as a partnership call. And so like, but, but, but I will say uh, to that end, Today, I have a contract about to be signed with somebody that slipped into my calendar last week. All right, so, happens. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and you know, the thing is that there, there's, there's kind of rules and then there's uh, exceptions to the rules and making sure that you are flexible enough because everybody has a place. And like Doug said, 
It could be the guy bagging the groceries. Or it could be the guy podcasting. Or it could be the girl giving you the international legal advice. You don't know if that guy bagging groceries, and this is Nancy Matthews, my very good friend's philosophy, the one. You don't know if that guy bagging groceries, if his or her dad or mom or sister or brother right, might right. be the biggest podcaster in the world right. and, and open a door for Doug or Lauren or whatever. Agreed. So, Doug, when you started monetizing, what was the monetization? Like, when did you decide to become a podcast coach, a podcastologist? When was that transition and when, how did that happen? So about, about uh, I would say a year and a half into podcasting, someone in our audience, our community reached out to me and said, hey, I know this is not your gig, but you seem to be really good at it, podcasting. Can you teach me how to do what you had done. His name is Lou Diamond. He was our first client. Oh, yeah, I know of him. And I think you know Lou, right? And yeah. and uh, and Lou said, I have no idea. He wanted to start a show based upon his brand, Thrive Loud. Um, and I said, okay, Lou, but I got to be honest, I have no idea how to charge you for it. So can we just maybe have that meeting? What like what I would charge you for this and 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 what it would look like for you in order for it to be successful. And we had that meeting. About three months later, we launched his podcast. I think he paid us somewhere in the area of about $3,000. So it was six, 500 bucks a month for six months total of time between production and launch. I want and, his um, deal. Yeah, I, we all, everybody wants his deal now. So we, we went back and, uh, and we said, this was pretty cool. And that was, Lou was the first of, and now I keep saying 200, but it's probably closer to 250. It's about 250 launches later. Um, this is what we have decided that we wanted to, uh, you know, pivot our business because while the book business was good and my speaking business is good, thank God I had something after the speaking business because my speaking right. business completely went flatlined when we, when it came to, uh, COVID, right. but the podcasting business has gone through the roof. Literally everybody so, has a podcast. Yep. Everybody and has I'm a sure podcast. I'm sure you're on clubhouse, right? Yeah, but Clubhouse isn't really my gig. I, I, you know, I've tried it a couple times, and I, and I, I it's okay. But a lot of my my community, I have to, you know, you have to shift where they're listening to the, your message, and it's like I don't know. It just wasn't my gig. So you, you know, it's like, hey, are you on? <clears throat> are you on Instagram? Yeah, I'm on Instagram, but I, but I really focus more on Facebook because that's where my mark. I want to go where my right. market is. Of course, of course. So, um, yeah. so that was about a year and a half into it, and then what tripped the switch after that? was understanding that there are more lose than, than, uh, than I thought that were out there. People that wanted to launch podcasts that needed some help. So we right. went to a conference, 150 people at the conference, 118 people I actually got to shake their hand and meet them and invite them on my show. I did give them some hoops that they needed to jump through. They needed to listen to the show. They needed to, um, to rate and review the show. They needed to subscribe and they needed to share with me what their plans were to, to promote my, my show on, on their social media communities. Our audience grew. And of those people, the 118, 40 of them actually jumped through those hoops. Mm. Of the 40, seven became clients at five grand a piece. In 30 days, we made $35,000 without story. having launched the show yet. This was a new show that we were launching because I could not fit 40 people onto the Nice Guys on Business, which at that point was doing, you know, we already had like six months of leeway on our, you know, of, of runway on our, on our uh, episodes. So we started a new show and we tested this model out. The model worked freaking amazingly well. And now we teach that model to other people. And it works. It does work. And it's a nice system. And that's what I like is that, and everybody is nice and everybody is amenable and everybody deals with, you know, challenging. I don't think I'm that challenging. Not, not, not with you at least, but 
challenging. No, There's well, challenges. Everybody has their own set of challenges. It could be a tech challenge. It yeah. could be guest management challenge. It could be a monetization challenge. Some people might want to have VIP guests on their show. So how do you handle those? There's a bunch of different strategies depending on what you're looking for that would dictate how you handle your show. Give me five of your top strategies for monetization of a <laughs> podcast because you know, not just I need to know. And Doug has done one-on-ones with me, but sometimes, you know, you have to hear the message a few times. So give me your top five strategies for monetization. Well, please. it's interesting you say that because we actually have as a, as a, uh, as a gift to your, um, to your community, we have five ways to make money podcast. And, uh, and you can actually get that. And I'm, I'll be happy to go through the list of them, but I don't go into a lot. I don't want to go into a lot of details right, here only because of time but uh five ways to make money podcasting.com the number five five ways to make money podcasting.com is the link that you go to but simply put the best ways to make money advertising are number one you got to focus on that guest seat so the guest seat is a guest to client strategy which is freaking amazing at turning your guests into clients Secondly, joint venture partnerships with people either in your community or people that are sitting in that guest seat. Affiliate relationships. That way you are, um, you know, you have a service that complements mine. Let's promote your service on my show. I make a small piece of everything that you sell through my, uh, through my community. Uh, let's see. What would be another great one? Um, selling your products or services to your community, building a course, building a, a program, building a something so that you're actually putting that um, you know, that, that bug in their ear as they're listening to you and they want to potentially buy the, the products and services that you have. Um, geez, there's, there's literally 20 some ways that we have discovered that you can make money podcasting. And so those, those handful of ways that I just gave you are really just the tip of the iceberg. And I yeah. encourage everybody not to focus just on, well, I'm going to turn all my guests into clients. Cause that gets a little bit irritating no. to your community listening yeah. or, and they know, uh, and they know, and it's, they and know. it's, you're, and, you're, you're, it's, it's there. Yeah, I mean, so you, I got to tell you a funny story. I have a new, yeah. new client. He's from Ottawa. And uh, I don't even, he found me on a podcast I did with a Canadian guy about um, asset protection and stuff. And so he found me and, and we've been talking, super nice guy. He's a dentist, you know, successful, wants to move to the US and is a real estate investor and so on. You know, perfect client. Yep. So he told me every day when I talked to him, I talked to him every day. He tells me he's going to listen to this podcast when I'm interviewing X. And I'm like, I got to keep the podcast coming so he can keep working out because he says every, every, like at least once a week, he listens yeah. to one of my podcasts. Nice. He says they're his workout podcast. I'm like, I guess that's you good. You can't disappoint him. You can't not put it like John <laughs> is going to not get my episode. He's not going to exactly. work out that day if I don't release exactly. an episode. So, you know, I've always been challenged and I'm just being transparent here because my podcast is relatively new and I haven't necessarily 100% monetized it. Yep. So, and I sometimes feel uncomfortable, even though it's my podcast and I can do whatever I want to say, oh, make sure you subscribe and give me five stars and do this. Now, now I did start <laughs> and I think you did this. At, anyway, you did this when I first started, but I got to get your partner to do it. But I did start to ask my guests to please do that because at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's gotta be a win-win. I have not been as good at asking my guests to cross promote. How do you do that? And also when you're the podcaster, how mm -hmm. do you do that tactfully? Okay. So that's, it's a great question. And, and let's walk through it for a moment because I think oftentimes 
in our heads as new podcasters, we feel like our guest is doing us a favor by coming on our show. Mm -hmm. And what I would say to you is if you understand you own a freaking media company, Lauren, and while you may have only a few listeners early on in your run, when you're, look, we're 1,200 episodes, sorry, 1,200 episodes into our show <laughs> right now. It's G-rated. What the <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Because I start to get passionate about this part of the that. business. <laughs> we have 1,200 episodes. We had seven damn episodes, seven damn downloads on that first episode. I'm like, we have 4 million now. Wow. I keep I telling you. I need those it, 4 million, man. Come on. You, you don't, you actually... I'd rather have 20 engaged listeners yeah. Yeah. than 20,000 people that do jack squat. Yeah, I agree. So, so dispel the myth that you need a large audience to monetize your show. Dispel the myth that, you're, that people are doing you a favor by doing, coming on your show. You're doing them a favor by sharing the message with your community, as small or large as it is. So let me answer your question directly, though. The yes. way that I get people to promote my show is I hold it as a leverage, a carrot, before I accept their application on the show. So somebody called, we right now get about 20 to 30 applications every week to come on our show. In the beginning, while I was reaching out to people to come on the show and saying, hey, I'd love to have you on the show to share your message with my community, I would still say to them, we do have some rules. And it's called our nice guy rules because it's the nice guys on business, our nice guy rules. Really simple. You got to have a microphone because if you don't sound good, my community is going to tune out. Right. You've got it. You've got to rate and review the show because why would you want to come on a show that's got no ratings? That's why we have over uh, cl close to 400 five star ratings on our Nice Guys on Business podcast. Um, so you have to rate the show. You have to listen to an episode of the show. I'm not asking too much. I'm giving you a 30 minute block of my time to share your message. I want to make sure you understand what my message is and how I present to my community. So when you step into the environment, you're comfortable. And the last one, the important one is this. Share with me what your plans are to promote my episode with you to your community. Because yeah. I'm going to ask you questions that are going to be fun and bit different and a little bit more unique than every other interviewer. So I want you to share what your plans are. And when you have those four rules and you use them, do you understand and acknowledge these rules when they check off yes on the application? After the episode airs, I have the right now because they've given me the right by saying, yes, they're going to do it. I have the right to go back to them and say, Hey, remember when you said you were going to promote this? You gently, you're going to say this. I haven't seen any promotion on social media. Promote this to your community like you said you were going to do. I fulfilled my end of the obligation. Now you fulfill yours. And it's just, it just makes good sense to do that before you give them access to your schedule rather than after. Because after the episode airs, it's like, oh, please, 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 will you promote my episode? They're not going to do it. Right. And if you use it as a carrot before, it absolutely is a good leverage for you to get people on your show. It's, it's not necessarily automatically enforceable, but at least you have their commitment. You got the commitment. You got the commitment. And the other thing is this. I want you to flip the switch in your brain with, with not just you, Lauren, but everybody that's in podcasting that listens to this or when people under try to figure out, well, how do you grow your community? You grow your community on the shoulders of people that have built big communities. Right. Remember those three buckets, money, influence, and community. That community bucket, I invite people on my show specifically because they have large communities, some yeah. of them, some of my guests. Right. And I use that leverage as my tool for growing my community. Because when I, let's say you have 100,000 Twitter followers and I really promote on Twitter and I love Twitter and I look at you and I see, hey, she's got 100,000 followers. When I invite you on my show, I say, hey, Lauren, I'd love to have you on my show. Here's the deal. 
I have a good community. It's a growing community, even new. It's a growing community. It's a growing community. I'd love to have you on my show to share your me- share your message with my community. Would you be open to coming on the show and promoting it to your community as well? When that's the agreement, it's very challenging for them to come back after the episode airs and say, well, I'm just not, I didn't like the episode or I, look, it was freaking you, dude. I asked you questions. You answered the questions. Let's get this thing promoted together and let's blast the crap out of it. You've also got to give them the tools. You've got to give them social media posts. You've got to give them some snippets. You've got to give them some quotes. You've got to make it look right and sound right, which is, again, why I have people show up arriving with the microphone and having it sounding good as well. Yeah, I remember that very first day when I did show up to that group call and you were teaching us or sharing with us how to get what microphone to get. And I was on Amazon as I always am on Amazon. Well, when you're ha- when you pro- when you provide and present your message in a haphazard way because right. you have a podcast and you feel obligated to podcast. Podcasting is not a side activity. We've made over a million dollars with our podcast. Don't you think that I want to treat this like a million dollar business? For sure. So for me, it's like, hey, look, I'm going to do this professionally, and I hope that my guest arrives professionally, not be by happenstance, but because. I've told them how to arrive and what to expect. Mm -hmm. And when you do it, like it's a side business over here on the side, you're going to get a hobby result. I want a business result from my business of podcasting. And that then takes me full circle to what, what, what I do, which is helping people invest across borders, because a lot of people look at that as a hobby and they wonder why they can't get a visa. And I'm like, well, if you're treating it as a hobby, why would they give you a visa you need to be running a business. So real estate investing, there's two types. There's one that's passive and one that's active. So when you transition to a business, your business is going to be that much more successful. It's true of any startup. It's true of anything. And for, for me, the podcast at the beginning, I was kind of like, oh, well, I'll just get some interviews in and whatever. Now it's actually something I look forward to. Yep. And now I'm seeing some traction and I'm seeing people like my client who's watching it when he's or listening to it when he's at the gym and other people that are saying, oh, I heard you. And, and, and you know, at first, I know that you helped me pick the title. I didn't know how appropriate the title would really be, Investing Across Borders. Who knew it would be like the perfect title? And the reality is that it does investing does not just mean real estate or it doesn't mean business. Investing can mean podcasting because that podcast, that message is going to 175 countries that Doug is delivering and God willing that I'm delivering soon too, to 175 countries of people that want to invest and build businesses and go global and take their message global. And that's what Doug is teaching us to do. Can so, I can I can I play a simple exercise with you for just a second? Do we have I a moment or two so. to do? I'm okay, not Excellent. sure. All right, let's yes. do this exercise because I want to, I want to, again, I want to, I want to get you in the mindset of, and maybe if it's okay, I, I want to coach you through something, just take five minutes to do it, but I, I'd love to do it. Okay. So the person that is your ideal avatar, the ideal client for buying what you have, uh, can you put that a person like that in your brain right now? Do you? Yes. Just, okay. And can you give me maybe the first name? It could be a fictitious first name, but just Joe. so I, okay, Joe. So Joe is this person, this guy that potentially is the, is a, is a great, potential client of yours in the lifetime value of Joe for your business. What do you think that could earn you at a Joe and over the course of a lifetime, if you had to 50, kind of $50,000? Yeah. Okay, great. Do you think that Joe has similar experiences in investing across borders, either positive or negative to your community that's out there. So do you think yes. that Joe, okay, cool. And do you think that Joe has a, a pretty interesting story that Joe could tell? I mean, yes. about his lifetime. 
All right, cool. So do you think it would be of value to you to have a conversation with Joe just in general, just to build a relationship with Joe so you can get to know what Joe loves and hates and his strengths and all that other stuff? Do you think that that would be of value? Yes. Cool. So when I'm you a good invite, client, aren't I? I'm a good you are, yeah, this is good. This is good. So when Joe, who is a $50,000 potential client of yours, wants to share his message, or if you wanted to go out and find Joes, more Joes that are out there, do you think that your community could relate to the problems that Joe is having? 100%. Okay. So what I want you to do is before you invite the next person to sit in the guest seat, I want you to listen to Joe with two ears. One ear is, what message and what experiences have Joe have that your community can relate to, but also asking questions during the interview as, hey, as it, inv- as it relates to investing across borders, Joe, what's some of the stuff that you're struggling in, struggling with? What's some of the stuff that you still want to be able to do that you're not doing right now? They're an- he's answering your question. The beauty of this is the microphone is truth serum. So instead of you calling up Joe right now and saying, Hey, Joe, I'm Lauren Cohen. I have a, a, a podcast called Investing Across Borders. We, uh, we help entrepreneurs you know, invest, uh, invest internationally so that they can uh, declare residency in, state, in, in, in other countries, in foreign countries. Would you be interested in hearing about my services? He's going to say no because you're, like, you're a salesperson. Right. Yeah, who the heck are you? If you say, hey, Joe, my name is Lauren Cohen. I have a podcast on be- investing across borders. I'd love to share your story and your message with my community. Would you be open to sharing it? And he might say, sure. But why, how, why would I be of value to him? Because hey, you are. I? Because, yeah, who am I? Because you, what you're going to say is your story is not unlike many people that are out there right now that are trying to figure out opportunities across borders and in investing. I'd love just to share your story. Would you be open to that? He's going to say yes, because he has an ego. Every Joe has an ego. And so when I look at people in the podcasting space, I'm thinking about it and they're thinking, how am I supposed to sell products and services to my community that's out there? They're anonymous. I don't know who they are. I got to wait for them to reach me. And I'd say, stop waiting for your community. Go and find who your ideal client is. Put them in the guest seat. Share their message with your community, asking them questions that help you ascertain whether they're qualified to buy what you are selling. And at the end of the interview, don't jump down their throat and say, oh, my God, all that stuff investing across borders. I can help you with that. I'm great with this. This is the stuff I do. And it's $50,000. No, you're going to just say to them something like the stuff that you were talking on in the show. Was that real world stuff? Is that stuff that you're still working on? Would you is this something that you um, that it would be of value to you? And he's going to say, yes, it's like, great. And you're just going to hang up or you're going to disconnect your Zoom call. In three weeks, four weeks, a month from now, the podcast episode, you have a four-week window that you still have to communicate with Joe. Episodes coming out. Hey, remember that stuff that we were talking about on the show? I'm going to send you something I think would be of value. It's episode number 32 on X, Y, and Z in Mexico so that you can read about it, hear about that. Okay, cool. In three weeks' time, here's another episode. In four weeks' time when the episode airs, is that stuff still going on in your world? I'd love to sit down and have a follow-up meeting with you. Would you be open to that? That is a process and a system in place that when you understand it and it's locked and loaded every time, you're a killer salesperson. Mm-hmm. All you're doing is being you. You're being a nice person. You're doing what you do. People fall in line. And, and imagine this, and this is where I'll end it. Imagine having 20 to 30 to 40 people every week raising their hand to say, I want to be a guest on your show. What they're actually saying is, I want to be a client. Client, yeah. They just don't realize it yet. Right. And that's the beauty of podcasting is that it's, it's um, interview-based selling 
And if you handle it right, you will never have to prospect again. I have one question before we close up. So on that model that you just explained, is there a way in the podcasting world, and you'll probably say yes, I'm going to guess, but is there a way to have like a, almost like a compilation book, but have a compilation podcast where you do 10-minute interviews of three people in sure. one week or something like that? Yeah, why not? Okay. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it doesn't, it, why not just put out three episodes? Or, I mean, you can do a you can do a single episode that's an hour and a half long and three thirty minute segments of the show. I think your community, if you're focused on your community, and I and I do try to do these these um, interviews so that I am I'm understanding two angles. I'm understanding the angle of what is my community hearing that's listening to the show, and how am I best serving my business by putting these people into my into my on my client list. And if you do three of them in a row, oftentimes it might wear down your. Mm community. What I would hope that you were able to do over a very short period of time, again, with our help, Lauren, happy to share this with you, is help you understand how to qualify people well enough so that you don't have to do 3x the interviews. You can do one interview or what do you do? Do you do a weekly show right now? Yeah, or, weekly, yeah. Okay. A weekly show. You could do two, maybe three of those weekly shows um, uh, over the course of the month could be focused on the guest seat right now in monetization. And you, you could do two interviews a month that are based upon that, close one of them and have a $50,000 lifetime value of a client. Imagine closing. That's why I always say to, to people, how many times would you want to open up this microphone if every time you opened it up, you made 50 grand? A lot. So so I, I think about the other stuff that we do, all of the other marketing that we do. And I'm like, I'm shutting down the rest of the, my marketing business because this is now my marketing tool. And I spend so little time actually building my business because I can spend more time having a great time, having great conversations with guests that are sitting in the guest seat. I don't do much social media. I don't do money, you know, webinars. I don't do a lot of, you know, other joint ventures because it's too easy to do it this way. It's too easy, which is why I, you know, yeah, you could do three interviews and do it as a three segment show, but let me get you really good at qualifying people by asking them some key questions before you invite them onto your show to know if they're highly qualified to buy what you have. That's definitely a great way to spin the sales into podcasting. So I, uh, I've learned a lot. I've made some notes. I'm going to upgrade my questions and I'm going to thank you, Doug, for always being a nice guy and always being there and always being willing to adjust your schedule for my crazy schedule. Did I, did we adjust? I didn't even remember. Uh, adjusting. Yeah, it's okay. I thank you anyway. <laughs> So this you're is welcome. Doug Sandler. Doug, how do people reach you? Although we'll obviously have it in the show notes that your team will prepare. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, the best way is uh, is just to, to download that document. It's actually, it's a mini course that we send your way. It's called Five Ways to Make Money Podcasting. And it's at the number five, five ways to make money podcasting.com. And uh, we'll give you the mini course. It's usually sold for 300 bucks, but I uh, would love it to give it to your community because uh, I think it would be of value to them. To, uh, to listen. And um, all of our contact information is, uh, is in there as well. And then you'll learn how to spread your message across borders, spread your message within the US, spread your message everywhere, because podcasting really is everywhere. And it's been so, so incredible to have launched a podcast during COVID to allow me to get my message across borders. So I am Lauren Cohen. I would invite you to subscribe to my podcast on Apple, on Google, on Spotify, and all the other uh, main sites. and Wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>
It's called Investing Across Borders. I am Lauren Cohen, international legal and real estate expert, and I am signing off for today where we teach you how to invest, live, work, and play across borders. And it would be my pleasure to set up some time to speak with you to learn about how invaluable this podcast is and to also learn about your needs for cross-border investing. I thank you so much for joining us today, and I'm signing off. Thanks again, Doug, for your time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Investing Across Borders with Lauren Cohen. Make sure to check the show notes for any links and for guest contact information. If you have questions for Lauren, please reach out to her at founder at ecouncilglobal.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with a friend.